Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Good morning, everyone. There we go. A little interaction. Uh, Next week, I think it's important to kind of highlight a little further the internship graduation. Because when you hear internship graduation, be like, oh, internship service, cool. Great, that's a skipper. <laughs> you know, you think, okay, you know, like that song, I'll skip. Uh, I'll tell you yesterday, we got to hear their dream projects they presented. So it's a four-quarter internship. The first one was B. The second one was do. The third one was own. And the fourth is dream. And all of them presented their projects. And I'm telling you, it was so inspiring to hear. And I was challenged. And, and, and it was just this spirit of, of next and more and dream. And so it's, it, it will be a special time uh, next week. Uh, God does something great when we, when we see something through to completion fruition of certain seasons. You know, we, we're in a season and when we're in it, we get exhausted. So we think this season is never going to end, but there's another season coming, but we got to till it appropriately every single time. The way we enter seasons is often the times the way we exited a season, right? And so I believe even as a City Life family, next week, us as a body, uh, celebrating what God has done in the interns, because to give a whole year to, to ministry and church and to navigate all of the the, the many hats and, and balls they're juggling is pretty special because uh, we've came in many Sundays and just ate. I Meaning they, they were up early setting up. They were here on Saturdays. They were dealing with the curveballs. And so I, I would love if we rallied around that next week. So it's not a skipper. It's a repeater. It's a repeat. You know, in the song you hit repeat. I like that one. That is next week. Uh, roots. Man, what's going on the inside of you. What's on, what's on the inside of your heart and your soul and your spirit? Why are we so focused on what's going on on the outside? Too often it's like, let me just come to my own house and just make everything pretty on the outside as long as no one knows what's really going on the inside. And we just sit, and we kind of look at our house and maybe we have synthetic flowers outside. And, but come on, it's just a mirage of the real thing. When we get to be invited by Jesus to abide in Christ, here is the essence of what he says. Abide means like come home, enter in. There's a place to dine. There's a place where you'll always have food, everlasting. There's a table that you can eat at. There's a couch that when when you're struggling, you can sit on. There's family conversations. There's people that are going to enter in and they're going to have roots as well. And I'm going to be leading and guiding them in such a way that's beautiful. And in fact, when you need rest, there's a bed. And if sometimes if you need a shower to be clean up, there's that too. But you got to stay on the inside of the home. And see, when we're in the inside of the home to abide, we are in Jesus Christ. That is our position. That is our status. That is who we are. That is what the roots is all about. You know, and uh, at the end of uh, the book of Matthew, in chapter 28, there's, there's Jesus gives us this, this closing statement, all right, that you go and make disciples. Go make disciples. And that word is, doesn't have the same significant meaning as we understand it, because disciple, what is this? Is this some weird cult thing? No, what is a disciple? It looks like this, that we're going to walk with Jesus, We're going to talk with Jesus. 
We're going to learn. We're going to listen. We're going to experience hands on with Jesus. An illustration, a picture for you would be like um, somebody that's apprenticing maybe in a carpentry or electrician trade to really be close to side by side. And now, and now you think about your walk with Jesus. Think about uh, how you engage and interact with Jesus. Are you side by side? Are you walking with him? Are you talking with him? Are you embarking on all the things that he would ask for you to do in the adventure of what he has for you? Now, if we're honest, I think sometimes we find ourselves a little bit on the sidelines. Maybe he's too focused on the tree that we think, oh, it's just gonna die anyways. I might as well just keep it pretty until it ends. But I think God wants to do regenerating work this morning in the depths of our soul. Uh, and it really comes in his, in, in his word. And in his word, um, there's so much life and there's truth because it's not a just enough to, 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 to um, spend time with God, but you gotta actually let him work you over. And when he works you over, what happens is you start to accurately know him because in, in church, here's what it is. You could go to church a really long time. So I wanna give a disclaimer. If you've been to church for over, let's say, uh, Three years, raise your hand. If you've, you've been in Christ over three years, okay, okay. You've been in Christ over, let's get crazy. Over 10 years, raise your hand. I'm up. Okay, okay, we got some, got some Christians. What about if you've been in Christ over 15 years? Dang, got some studs here and studettes. All right, you've been in Jesus over 30 years. Got a couple, amen, praise God. All right, fine, 50, over 50 in Jesus. Anybody? All right, so we got some people that have been walking with Christ for a minute, though. Walking with Jesus for a minute. And I would say, um, you need this more than ever. And here's why. We're just going straight up 101. Let's not assume that we have Bible literacy. And let's not assume we know God accurately. In fact, the more you've spent time with God, you could have been spending bad time with God. They say in the gym that when you, you know, they say practice makes perfect. No, 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 it actually doesn't. Perfect practice makes perfect. So if you're doing a repetition often, but you're doing it wrong, what happens is you could be a religious spirit at the end of it. And then he'd say, depart from me for I never knew you. Those were people who walked with Jesus Christ. And so I just want to strip it all right now. Like put some paint thinner on us, get right to the core and say, let's just, let's let God work us over. And I've been loving these Bible project videos because they, they're, they're, they're something that the longer you spend with Jesus, you're not allowed to ask certain questions anymore because you look totally dumb. And, but, but if we're honest, we're actually all noobs. I don't know many people here that speak Hebrew. I'm not sure if there's many people here that, you know, know Greek and um, Aramaic. And so we all should be learning. We're always on the wheel. Those that are uh, so gifted, let's say a violinist, that they're, they're, they're the professionals. If you interview them, they'd always say, I'm still learning. I'm still growing. The people that are always at the top of their craft, they're always learning, they're always growing. So if you've known Jesus for a while, I hope you're learning, I hope you're growing. And I pray today that you'd hear him inviting you in to say, I wanna teach you, I wanna walk with you, I wanna talk, let's embark on this journey. Let's check this Bible Project video out. It talks about how the scriptures are written in different perspectives that will give us some accurate information to know Jesus and love Jesus. The Bible is a collection of many books telling one unified story from beginning to end. 
But all those books were written in different literary styles. Yeah, think of it like walking into a bookstore where every aisle has a different kind of literature. There's history or poetry or nonfiction. And when you choose an aisle and pick up a book, you're going to have very different expectations, different things that you're looking for. Right, they're all literature, but they communicate in really different ways. Yes, and so the same thing is true for the Bible. If you don't pay attention to what style it's written in, you will miss out on the brilliance of each book. So what are the main types of literature in the Bible? Well, first and foremost is narrative. It makes up a whopping 43% of the Bible. After that is poetry, which is 33% of the Bible. And then there's what you could call prose discourse, which makes up the remaining 24%. Nearly half the Bible is narrative. Yes, and this is no accident. Stories are the most universal form of human communication. Our brains are actually hardwired to take in information through story. And stories are really enjoyable. Why is that? Well, stories train us to make sense of the seemingly random events that happen in life by taking those events and then putting them in a sequence. And then together you can start to see the meaning and purpose of it all. And what links this all together? Well, good stories always have a character who wants something. And then through these characters, an author can explore life's big questions like who are we or what's really important in life. And a good story always involves some kind of conflict some challenge to overcome, just like in our own lives. And that forces us to think about our own challenges, why there's so much pain or disappointment in the world, and then what can we do about it? And stories usually end with some kind of resolution, giving us hope for our own stories. Since these are Bible stories, are the characters showing me how I should live? Yeah, that's not quite the point. Most Bible characters are deeply flawed. You should not be like them. But we are supposed to see ourselves in them, which helps us then see our lives and failures from a new perspective. And without even realizing it, these stories will start to mess with you and change how you see the world and other people and yourself. Now, there are different types of narrative in the Bible. Yeah, there's historical narrative, but also narrative parables, short biographical narratives like the four gospels. We'll look at all these in later videos. Okay, next up is poetry, which honestly, I don't read a lot of. Yeah, you're like most people. But one out of every three chapters in the Bible is poetry. Yeah, why so much poetry? Well, poems mainly speak through dense, creative language, linking together images to help us envision the world differently. Poems use lots of metaphor to evoke your emotions and your imagination. Lots of fancy language, but wouldn't it be easier just to tell me what I need to know? Well, think about it. In life, we tend to form mental ruts, and we think in these familiar, well-worn paths that are very hard to get out of through logic or reasoning. And what good poetry does is force you off the familiar path into new territory. Sneaky. And there's different types of poetry in the Bible. There's lots of types of songs or psalms. There's the reflective poetry of the wisdom books and then the passionate resistance poetry of the prophets. Okay, the last big literary type is called prose discourse and it makes up a quarter of the Bible. Yeah, these are speeches, letters, or essays. And the focus here is building a sequence of ideas or thoughts into one linear argument that requires a logical response. Like, hey, have you thought about this thing? You should also consider how it connects to this other thing. And if you do, then you will see that this is the result. And in light of that conclusion, therefore, you should probably stop doing that one thing so that this other thing will be the outcome. So you're persuading me with reason. Yeah, discourse forces you to think logically and consistently and then do something about it. Biblical discourse is found in law collections, in wisdom literature, and the letters written by the apostles. 
Okay, so each book of the Bible has one literary style. No, actually most books have a primary literary style, like narrative, for example. But then embedded in the narrative, you'll come across poems or parables or a collection of laws. Every biblical book is a unique combination of literary styles. And to read that book well, I need to be familiar with each literary type and how it works. Yeah, so you know what to pay attention to and what questions you should ask. But before we look at each type, there's one more unifying feature of biblical literature that's really important and really cool. And that's what we'll explore next. Now, the word theology is big and lofty. And if you find yourself in certain, um, you know, growing Jesus settings, uh, you know, we're going to open the word, teach the word, and um, this will be someone's theological perspective of how they understand. But it is when you hear that word, here's what I would love for you to get an image in your mind. The study of knowing God. The. Ology. The. It's the study of God. And so the study of God sounds awesome when we actually know what, why God is worth studying. And especially as we find ourselves at the foot of the cross, here's what happens. We come in to the presence of God and we recognize that we are filthy sinners in light of how perfect and awesome he is. And that condemnation, shame, and guilt leaves us in a place that many times we'll just turn to our own desires, we'll run and we'll run away from and we'll actually be enemy with the one that can, that can redeem us and restore us. And so we'll start to play fight with the one who can give us life. But, but when we start to shift the perspective, when we realize, wait, okay, I don't have to get myself clean to come on the inside. What I found was the inside man sent his man, himself, Jesus, to come find me wherever I was at in the slums of my darkest pits. And he grabbed me and he offered me new life. I know if someone was drowning in the middle of the ocean, okay, and you were drowning and you knew sharks are coming, here comes the helicopter and somebody drops down a ladder and they say, oh, we're going to save you. Oh, yeah, no, thank you. I'm so glad you're here. You just got to spend some time with me. Oh, I'll do anything. Just get me out of here. No, 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 you really got to spend some time with me. I came all this way. I just, I love you. I came to save you, right? And we would 100% sign up for that one. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. Isn't that exactly what's happened to us so many times? God, just get me out of this one. Just save me. Just give me another perspective. And then once we get clean again, all right, I don't need you. I don't need to know more about you. And I think it's really um, harmful and startling because we could find ourselves um, just not consumed with the one that can give us our greatest freedom. Like freedom. I mean, real freedom in our mind, in our hearts, uh, freedom to make us free that we would have different desires and likes and we would find ourselves embarking on the d things he's created us for. There's a video here that I want to show another one um, that I, th I think it's going to paint a picture to, to, in a way that I think we'll understand. Some of the modern day storytellers nowadays are those that uh, just shoot video. It's how we think, right? We're thinking in, you know, just vine clips. We're thinking Instagram video. I mean, there's now data that says if there's a picture that's 2D and moving, you're more likely to to check it. Have you noticed billboards have shifted to LED? And, and, and last time I checked, the one who's the most creative created us. And so the church, we're not afraid of any type of advancements. 
We, we should try to be thinking, how can we grab all of these things to display how awesome God is? And if we just limit him down to some, you know, catechism class, which that, there's value in that, okay? So you gotta hear that. But if we think that's the only way God wants to interact with us, I think we'll miss the whole point and we'll start to invent different ideas of God because we've never experienced God. We've never needed to know about God. And I think you'll see yourself in these interviews. If someone was to interview us and ask us some questions, so check this video out. Do you consider yourself a Christian? I do. Oh, yes, I am. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. I was raised at Christianity. Do you believe you're going to heaven? Oh, I don't know. That's not up to me. I do my best. Do you believe that you're going to heaven? Um, I can't say if I am or I, I'm not. I'd like to think so. <laughs> yes, I do. Well, I'm hoping for that, yes. Okay. I don't know. Hopefully. How good would you have to be in order to get into heaven? Um, yeah, I don't know. I believe that there's steps, though, to get there. Do you believe that you contribute anything to your going to heaven? Yeah. Yeah, I try to make sure at least, uh, I, I try to make sure that I make some kind of an impact on someone every day. How would you react if I were to tell you that your salvation doesn't depend on your works, it depends on what Christ has already done? Well, I can agree with that, but it also depends on how you live your life. Do you, you follow what God's guidelines are? Do you believe that the Bible is God's word? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Absolutely, I do. I believe that there's some aspects of the Bible that are um, aligned with God's Word and other um, sacred literature as well. Do you think that there perhaps could be mistakes in the Bible? Well, I think if the part of the Bible is wrong, all of it's wrong. People transcribing it throughout, the, throughout all the decades and whatnot, I can see that happening. I think everything could possibly have a mistake. It's what you believe and your faith. I haven't found any yet. I've read a lot of, you know, sacred texts and literatures and um, from all different religions because I'm kind of fascinated with that and I don't consider myself to be of one particular religion. Um, so I just think if you really read them in a roundabout way, they're all saying the same thing. How often do you attend church? Every week. A few times a month, a couple of times a month. Three or two Sundays a month. About two to three times a month. Do you believe that church membership is important? No, I don't. Okay, well, why is that? I'm just curious. Um, because I believe uh, that like we're all really one church and that I don't need to be a member of any specific uh, organization. Do you believe that man is basically good by nature? Yes. Yes, I do. I think we can be. Well, I'd like to say yes to that. <laughs> yeah, by nature, they are supposedly in the Bible. You was all deemed good until, you know, some people got corrupt. We have the opportunity to be good. It's a God-given trait. We are created by God, and we as humans are gods. There are evil and good, you know, and um, we just have to get all on the right path. Do I truly believe that if man was left to himself, if good things were happen, would happen? Uh, I kind of doubt that. I've watched that video um, several times, and I'll, to be honest with you, I've cried and I've laughed. Um, I've cried because it's serious. And at times I can uh, relate with how I would respond to things. And... Um, 
and then also laughed because of how ridiculous we are, how much sheep we are. We, we, we don't really stop and pause to accurately know who God is. And as we think this morning, okay, as we jump into, we're going to look at Psalm 119, uh, just, just eight verses of it, is uh, the, the, the doors open only because of what Jesus did. And it's so challenging for us because we want to add or take away from that because that's our sin. Because as what we find is there's a lot of answers. God has revealed himself, but there will always be a jump of faith. And why this is so beautiful, because faith in what or who, the faith that we have as believers, and maybe you come in this place and you don't know Jesus at all. Well, here's why the faith in Jesus is just so beautiful. Because the faith in Jesus says this, it's not based upon what I can do, what I ever will do, or anything that I have or possess or own, and that all my guilt and, and, and issues and shame can be gone based upon what Jesus did for me, that he was perfect, blameless, spotless. He was the sacrifice for me in place of my sin. Finished. It is finished. Tetelestai. It is finished. It is over. Grace of God. The grace of God changes you. Because now when you understand that it's this love, this this new thing, I'll tell you what, now you want to learn about this love and this new thing. But if you think it's a rule thing, and you're thinking, oh, I got to learn more to get cleaned up to get with him. Or if I go to church X amount of times, then I'll feel better. But we'll never actually know God and have this transformation of our root system and be brand new. Sometimes we got to uproot things, plant something super new, and we got to get the junk out of our lives. And the bigger we've been growing, the longer we've been growing, the more junk we could have. And Psalm 119 um, is the longest psalm Longest psalm, and it's the longest chapter in all of the Bible. And don't worry, we're not going to read the whole thing. Psalm 117 uh, might be a little bit more inviting because that's the shortest chapter in the Bible for anybody. And you see the, the individual who's writing this, uh, there's this deep desperation for God, his law, his love, his word, and knowing that it only comes from him, have been through some things and know that there's only one that can deliver me. Have you been through some things and that you know there's only one that can deliver you? Because your posture will be different. Pick it up in verse 9, Psalm 119. How can a young man or woman keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word? With my whole heart, I seek you. Get this image. Let me not wander from your commandments. With everything, God, I'm seeking you. But yet I recognize I'm still prone to wander. It only comes in you and your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight. As much as in all riches, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statues. I will not forget your word. What you have there is a deep focus by saying, I'm only going to change. I'm only going to be renewed. And I'm only happy in my thoughts and in my mind. I only find real freedom when I'm in you and learning your word and growing in your word. And I want to experience and know you deeply. In fact, I'm prone to wander on my own. And we hear, uh, maybe you've heard this before, love God, love people. Have you heard that? 
And how do you love God and how do you love people? Well, you have to know God and you have to know people. Could you imagine saying you love people, but you don't know one person? You imagine, this is how we sound sometimes. We love God, but we don't even know God. And I think I'm trying to rip down this wall, this barrier that says, okay, well, if I got to know God, I got to be super smart and read this really long thing. No, no, no. Actually, God comes for those that don't think they're super smart. He comes for the heart. He's, he's really wanting to spend time with you, but he has given us this manual, this instruction. If we're in the apprenticeship with him, he wants us to learn and grow, but he doesn't want us to just be academic. He wants it to be all life transforming. So it starts to change even when we hear the word law. It's not thinking, oh, okay, I got to learn something to be right with him. No, I'm right with him. So let me learn more about him. You see how it shifts, but you see how your sin wants you to think the other way? Oh, I got to get right before I can even spend time with God. Now, this, this psalm that's here is super long. It's, it's got 22 stanzas, so it's broken up of like these eight little uh, eight poetic lines, which each stanza, it begins with a Hebrew letter. And what that means is it's poetically trying to, uh, poetically trying to capture the attention in this. You know how it's like a poem will start with the same word sometimes? It'll just at the beginning and it'll restate it over and over and over again. And that's what the psalm is like, restating it over and over and over at times. That there's eight poetic lines with each stanza that begins with the same Hebrew letter. And the number eight may be connected with eight Hebrew words that appear throughout the psalm concerning its main theme. The words are translated law, testimonies, precepts, statutes, commandments, rules, word. Now, while the psalmist expresses his love, this is from R.C. Sproul's commentary, for the law, his desire to obey it, he also recognizes his failures. Elements of lamenting and petition are intertwined with expressions of confidence and innocence. The law is a faithful expression of God's character. God sent his son to keep the law for us. The law no longer condemns us, setting us free to accept it as our own guide for the pleasing the one who died in our place, this exchange, shifting. That now words like law, testimonies, precepts, statutes, commandments, they have meaning, rules, word. They, they start to get me excited. If you've been around somebody who's uh, technically gifted, they open up a manual and they like getting through the, the, the manual because then they get, to, they get to do whatever they wanted. If you played a game, remember back in the day, you actually had to look at the instructions does anybody remember that? You had to learn how to play. What does this mean? What does the, this button change? Well, now kids, they're so gifted with it. They can figure that stuff out in seconds. They just burn instruction guides. But they're still important because it teaches us actually how to play. And I think our generation, what we're doing now is we're running so far until we hit a wall. And then maybe now I'll think, why am I running here? Is it possible that we're running so fast that God, we're running in the direction from God? He's like, come here, spend time with me. You're going to hit a wall. No, no, no. I got this. I got this. I got this. I know. There's this character I uh, have developed over the years. I have a few characters and they're not split personalities by any stretch of the imagination. They're just, they're just a free expression of creativity. And I have this one guy, he, uh, anytime something breaks, he, he shows up all the time and he's got, he's got his toolkit. He's got an answer pretty much to every single thing. And as soon as you see him coming from a mile away, he walks up and he shows up on the scene and you know what's about to happen because it's happened so many times because he, he, his famous quote is, I know. So somebody says, hey, he character shows up and they're like, oh, my sink fix. He's like, I know, 
I got it. And he shows right up. He's got his stuff. And they're like, wait, do you know what you're doing? I read books. I know exactly what I'm doing. And then messes up everything, gets it going. It's like, somebody says, no, 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 you're not doing it right. Let me help. Let me help. And he's like, I know. I got it. Go. And then he just grabs everything, leaves it broken. All right. This is his character. And I could do him for longer. I've done this now for, uh, for years. But he, um, and then so when he leaves, he's like, uh, he leaves it all messy. It's always broken. Worse off than when it started. And he takes his bag and everyone's like, what'd you do? And he's like, eh, it's broken. And he just leaves, right? But he will never take advice. He will never read any instructions because he knows he's read a book about who knows what this guy's read a book about. And he just says the answer to everything is, I know I got it. I think that's us. I know, God, I got this. And what we do is we bring the wrong thing. We say, I love you, but we don't have the knowledge that's applied. Because it's not enough just to know stuff. It's knowledge when applied is power. Knowledge isn't power. There's a whole bunch of people that are not doing anything significant that know a whole lot. If you've ever talked to somebody that is dealing with addiction or even talking to somebody that has uh, went through periods of uh, incarceration, they're pretty smart a lot of times. They knew things, but they didn't apply it. So it's not just to know it. We, we got to have the instructions. We got to read the instructions, but we got to apply it. We got the treasure map, y'all. We do. We got the treasure map, the keys to life. Someone told you, I know where a billion dollars is. We just got to follow this map. We, we turn into Goonies quick. Get our bag. I'm out. Oh, you don't think so? If someone tells you you can sell some cans of juice and you can make an extra $50 a month and you now started calling every one of your friends, right? And now you're part of this team and it, that, that happens too, right? You got hit up with that because we're always let it, we're like, oh, I want to make some money. I mean, God says, I got more than money. I got more than food. I got all these things for you. Will you delight in me? I, um, when we uh, think about God's word, I think we think about it like vegan diet. So it's, okay, I'm going to spend some time with Jesus. I'll be healthy. I just don't feel like being a rabbit. And no offense, vegans, maybe you figured this out. I have, I'm actually going to prove your point in a minute. But for those that aren't vegan, that's what it feels like. I'm going to now eat salads all the time, and I'm never going to be able to have anything that tastes good. Well, think of the other side of that is you have French fries, right? French fries, no one eats them and says, I just can't wait to work out right afterwards. You don't eat French fries and you, I can't, can't wait to get in the game. It just doesn't happen. It's, it tastes good for a moment, right? But it leads to death. Sin tastes good for a moment, but leads to death. The healthy living, healthy life makes you feel alive. I'm telling you, my life changed when I had broccoli that was soaked overnight in Italian dressing that was broiled and it was so amazing. I said, this is better than French fries. And I feel like I could actually think afterwards. 80% of my meals throughout my life always felt like I needed to take a nap afterwards. Bagel bites, pop tarts, you know, insert everything that's through anything processed, right? Because I always saw people that lived healthy and it was oatmeal without even flavor, right? The jump was so far. The jump is just insurmountable. It's like, well, if I'm going to spend time with Jesus, the jump is so far. They, grandma knows about Jesus, but I can't. She's been reading in King James to me for so long, right? God loves you customized, so unique. He shows up right where you're at. 
I've heard testimony after testimony after testimony of people saying, you know what? Jesus uh, reached me through my personal hobby. I found other people that were like that. And then they started showing me the word. They started letting me delight in these things. And, and so maybe you got to think about your diet um, in a different way. Maybe you need to soak your life in Italian dressing overnight and understand that broccoli could be good, y'all. I can't believe broccoli can be good, but it was so good. It really was. I had corn the other day. Uh, my, my friend listens to this. He, he put it olive oil on. I'm still struggling making good foods, but I love when other people do because they've thought about it and it's great and they make it taste good. But they put olive oil all around this and I ate the corn. I said, this is the best corn I've ever had in my life. What'd you do? He said, olive oil and salt and pepper. I said, olive oil. <laughs> really? Like only corn I've ever had was, you know, boiled and then you had to do the butter thing, which it's fine, but it... The butter, you don't feel healthy when you're doing that, especially if it's margarine. Who eats margarine? It's liquid plastic. We grew up on margarine. And uh, anyways, so look, here's the thing. If you don't recognize that you're prone to wander, you're prone to eat French fries, then you'll never really replace it with the wonder of God's love for your life. That you are prone to wander, but God wants you to wonder. And when you start to wonder, you'll start to pray the text, love the text, and you'll connect with your heart. Been asking God this week, I said, God, I wanna love Crystal more. I wanna love her more. What, what do I gotta do? How do I love her more? He says, oh, let me love you more. I said, okay, that's great. What do I have to do? He said, let me love you more. Okay, God, what do I have to do? I mean, this happened, this is my prayer time. And he's like, let me love you more. Basically, it was code for, Jerome, be quiet, shut your mouth, sit down, and let's hang out and let's connect. And then I will change and transform and give you actions out of that place. Don't we come to God always wanting the answers? And God wants to just carry you. He wants to lead you. He wants to um, give you the light on where to go. And he... Uh, you got, you got these things on your phone now, right? So he gives us a light. And we'll, it's always shining. That's what's crazy. God's word is always shining. It's always alive. And it's always lit. It's like on our shelf sometimes. It's always lit. And in Psalm uh, 119, 105, it says this, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So the Psalm, that, that chapter 119, it goes on forever. It's super long. But you start breaking up in these little stanzas, you're like, ooh, I can rest in those eight verses. It's really long. You just think I had to get through it so I could tell someone later I read the Bible. Or if someone asked me, oh, yep, I, yep, I read the God's word. No, no, no. It's not about the amount that counts. It's about the depth, the deeper, wider impact. It could be one verse that you're marinating in. It could be one thing that God's reckoned. You could see your story in it. It could be one thing because now you have a lamp that will lead you. You're not putting on the show. You're starting to let it guide you, Right? You gotta use it. It's not enough if it just sits there. You gotta use it and let it lead you. It's a lamp that'll lead you. It's a word that guides us and carries us. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Okay, we're done. Okay. In our own ability, we're done. But when we're in Christ, we got life and light and excitement. 
and we understand the grace and when we understand the gospel, what we find is as we're memorizing scripture, it's not to earn God's love, we're already in. We're already in the house. It's not to get better or think that somehow I'm gonna show, it's, it's to wanna know him more. It's the deeper of the loving relationship. It's the experience. I pray today that you will take the 18 inch journey. And here's what I mean by that. The 18 inch journey to let your heart be connected to your head. Some say it's the longest journey. It could take you your whole entire life to let the head and the heart connect. The 18-inch journey, what do you do? You got to connect them. I don't know how. Some people, they're all heart. They're no head. Some people are all head, no heart. And how do you get them connected? I really think it's by experiencing the love of God. And then as you find out, you need to know a lot of things. So you're asking him questions. And then you're wrestling this faith thing. I'm, I have faith. I want to do action. But God, I recognize that it's all from abiding and resting in you. The Holy Spirit is so alive and so powerful throughout all of the scripture. I don't care how much you know, the, the, the Pharisees knew a lot. It's about being in Christ, being in Jesus and understanding how he thinks, how he moves. Uh, Pastor Scott Hayes, a friend of mine at Element Church, um, he, I love he says this. He says, the Holy Spirit flows through the banks of scripture. So it, 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 when I read scripture, is the Holy Spirit quenched? No, no, no. In fact, it should be more alive. Let's let the Holy Spirit go. Now, if you memorize scripture, you got the Holy Spirit. No, no, you need the Holy Spirit. It's both and. And so we have the fullness of what God's word looks like, lives like, and we're with Christ. At the very end of the Bible, this is, would be our prayer this morning. In Revelation 22, 21, it says, the grace of of the Lord Jesus be with you all, amen. John writes, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all, amen. What do you need? Do you need a, a bunch of Bible knowledge? No, no, no. But what you need is the grace of God and that will start to transform your home, transform your heart. And by that grace understanding, you'll want to know God deeply. You'll want to know him intimately. And you'll recognize that this city, they need people that are full of grace. This city needs uh, to experience people that are full of love. They don't need just a memorization verse, but it's so important to memorize a verse because Satan will start to tell you things. He will, he will plant seeds all the time. You're not good enough. You're you're, you'll never be good enough. Uh, it doesn't matter. You failed then. Why start again? You, your marriage isn't going to be fine. The relationship's never going to work. You're, you're a nobody. You're a loser. You're not as good as the other person. You'll never provide. But wait, wait, wait. In Christ, it's complete opposite. Wait, I have everything in Jesus. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but you come to give life more abundantly. God, if I'm in you, we don't labor in vain. God, when I'm doing works in you, that you'll say, well done in my good and faithful servant. It's completely different. So what the enemy's saying, he's always trying to get us away from the true root system that's in the gospel, in the good news, in Jesus. And today I pray that you would be free. You'd be so free to run, to laugh, to dance, to, to really see yourself as a saint, that you're not a sinner. You don't have to, when somebody interviews you and says, well, are you going to get in? I hope so. You know, all that, all those interviews started, I think like all of ours would start, most of them. I'm a Christian. Yeah, I'm, I identify as a Christian. I'm a Christian. Really? Okay. Awesome. So would you be in heaven? Ah, I hope so. I don't know. I got to do more things. What? You must not be reading the same Bible. Because every time you start to read about a person, you find out that the person is a failure. 
There's only a couple people in the Bible that ever like ended their legacy good. But all those that trusted in Christ in Hebrews 11, this, this amazing faith chapter, these people that did all these heroic things, it says that those that are in Christ, they long to see the day you and I are in. When are you gonna dream again? When are you gonna believe again? When are you gonna have faith again? When are you gonna start believing that mountains can move in your life, that, that sicknesses can be healed, that relationships can be repaired? But you know what? It's not about the external. It's first, when are you gonna start believing that for you, that God can love you, let him love you? It's not I know, it's God I don't know, lead me. Let your word guide me. Let's pray. God, I pray today that there would be um, this inspiring, contagious spirit in this place that would cause us and captivate us to want to learn more and grow more. God, that we wouldn't know more about our favorite hobby than we know about you. That the study of you is amazing that we would not be afraid of stories. We would, we would not be afraid of new trends, that we would be cutting edge. We'd understand that you created everything and we want to see you in it. We wanna see the holy version. God, we wanna see greatness. God, we wanna see this region reflect your love. We wanna see the schools, the hospitals, our jobs have glimpses of what heaven looks like. And God, I pray that you would show each one here that it looks like us letting the light of you shine through us by leading us. So God, lead your people this morning. Lead us, we pray. Let the grace be all over us, leading us, guiding us, sustaining us to even study truth. It's by grace that we have faith. It's by grace that we can learn faith. So we're so humbled and so thankful that your reckless love left the 99 and found the one, found me, found us. Breathe freedom in this place today. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.